Hi, I'm Jenny. I live in St. Louis and I studied media production. I'm Christina. I live in New York and I studied writing. While our education vaguely qualifies us to talk about what we're talking about, we're truthfully qualified because of how many hours we've spent binging Netflix. So many hours. might be listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or CastBox. However you're listening, we're so glad you're here. Yay! Let's answer some would-you-rathers. Okay, Jenny. Oh, man. Oh, this is already stressing me out just looking at it, okay? Oh, no. Would you rather sell all your possessions or sell one of your organs? Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> See, my first question is, why do I need the money? No. You're... <laughs> no, no. no, like, the, like there's got to be... Like, if I'm doing either, I've got to uh-huh. have a good reason to have all the money. Oh, it's not like, just if you something can't I'm pay, doing for fun. If you can't pay your medical bills, then you really should not sell one of your organs. Right. Because they're going to know. They'll report you for doing operations on the black market. Right. Whereas if I just have a giant yard sale, no mm-hmm. one cares. Right. I think if I literally sold all of my possessions, I would probably... You know, I'm going to betray my ignorance here. I don't know what an organ goes for. Any particular organ that I can spare um, <laughs> and still live at the end of the day. But I want to say that if I literally sold everything I own, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make an exception for the clothes I'm wearing. Okay, that's fair. I think I would still come up on top there. Okay. But I like my things. <laughs> <laughs> I also like my organs. I think I would sell my things. I also like my organs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I would definitely just sell one organ. I don't know which one, but I would because you could have one, one transaction or you could have a million smaller transactions. I don't like I've experienced selling most of my possessions in the past and Mm. you can find people who will just take everything for a lump sum. That's true. That's true. You don't maximize the value, but you get rid of it. I think I'm just scarred from some of the things that I've tried to sell on Craigslist. I'm like, yeah. this is so easy. This is so, why do you have to be so difficult right now? And imagining that multiplied by every item that I own, I, yeah, I would, I would sell an organ to avoid that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay, next question. This is also stressful. <laughs> Would I just you want rather... to remind our listeners that Christina <laughs> chose these. I have no idea what they are. I did. So any stress is all on her. Yes. I'll take full responsibility for this. Jenny, would you rather know how you will die or know when you will die? Huh. 
my gosh. <laughs> um, the silence was so heavy. I don't like surprises, but I really, there's something kind of sacred about Mm -hmm. not knowing when you're going to die. There's something kind of like, I can let that go. I can let it happen. I think I can live my life more fully if I don't know when. So I think by default, I choose how. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I would also... You know what? No. No. I would choose to know when I'm going to die. Because if I was told how I was going to die and it was in a car crash or on the train or if it was by doing something that I have to do on a regular basis, (laughs) I would be freaked out every single time. But if I know when I'm going to die then I'll really know how to leverage the time that I have left. Yeah, I think I've I think I've heard the argument that like if you know when you're going to die, like you know how like how much time you have and you can like maximize that, but I really think I would just sit around stressing out about it. Wow. One difference between you and me. Two so far. <laughs> we've, di- we've disagreed on both of the would you rathers. That's facts. facts. Next and final would you rather question. Would you rather get away with lying every time or always know that someone is lying? I would rather know when someone is lying. Do you want to expound on that at all? Kind of, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I think like... I think I would still get away with lying sometimes, just like the average. That doesn't like count that out. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you should lie. Kids, don't lie. I lost my train of thought. I don't know. I was I like, think it'd wait, be fun. I, I also forgot what you were saying. <laughs> and, I, and I was, when I heard the silence, I was like, oh no, what did I miss? Was I supposed to respond? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I, th- I, w- I agree. For a moment, I was tempted to always get away with lying. But yeah, I would rather always know that someone is lying. And you could leverage that. I mean, if somebody paid me buku bucks just to sit in a room with somebody else and then determine whether or not they were lying, I mean... Yeah, I, I could just quit every every job that I have and do that. Christina, the human lie detector. That's me. I think yeah, I think there would be a lot you could you could leverage that. You could you could manipulate it in some way, um, like not let on that you know they're lying, mm-hmm. um, or you could like call it out immediately, like depending on the scenario, you could really kind of play with it. It's the power. Ooh, maybe too much power. I know, I know, I know, but. Anyway, it's a good thing that was our last one because we were about to go way too deep there. This episode is about love stories that we love. When we talk about love stories, there's a few things that we want to get out of the way. We want to say real quick that this episode is about love stories within, specifically within the context of romance. 
Um, and that yeah. we are going to acknowledge that there are lots of flaws in things that we call love stories. There are things that can be harmful or hurtful. And we want to go just like right past all the stereotypes um, because those are not productive. We want to talk about love stories we love, not things that we love to hate. Facts. So let's start. Let's start with what love stories we do love. The first one that's on my list isn't particularly classified as a romance. Um, it's Black Panther, but hold on. <laughs> um, I know that we've got lots of action. We have a greater narrative of what's going on, but I want to I wanna hone in a little bit on T'Challa and Nakia for a minute because they get to be great on their own terms, and I love that. That's, I mean, I haven't seen that in a whole lot of stories. I love getting to see that in Black Panther. They each had their own individual strengths and skill sets, which just sounds like common sense to me, that everybody mm-hmm. gets to be great at what they're great at. <laughs> and also given the stereotype that women need men to be greater than within a romance story or a love story. That seems to be something we always come back to. But it's really refreshing to see these characters get to be their full selves. I agree. I liked them. I liked their their relationship and also, like, the struggle. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, to be in a relationship, you like, ideally, you've got to be in one place <laughs> together. Um, Mm. and one big thing for them is like her passion took her away and she wasn't willing to give up that good thing that she was doing. Um, and he has duty and responsibility and things that he has to take care of. And there's a lot of tension there that I think was addressed really well. Yeah. I also saw that happened a little bit with, well, a lot, um, with Okoye and Wakabi, who meet each other in the battlefield. And mm-hmm. that's that's just another powerful example of what it's like to be your own person with your own convictions and still love your partner deeply. Even though it was heartbreaking to see, I still, I still loved that part of the movie. Yeah, it was honestly like, in the middle of a battle scene, a really kind of beautiful moment of also the way that like a loving relationship can let you like lay down yourself, like put your own desires aside for someone else. Mm-hmm. Because there's also like that balance of like giving up something, sacrificial love, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like my thing doesn't have to be more important than your thing. I'm so glad you just said that. Exactly. <laughs> My thing doesn't have to be more important than your thing. Man. Um, that actually reminds me of Randall and Beth from This Is Us. That's something that they talk about a lot. 
Um, this is more of a real-world scenario, uh, more so than the Black Panther one I just mentioned. There are so many ups and downs for Randall and Beth. They work through a lot. They talk out a lot. Uh, but they consistently come back to sharing the load and giving one another space in a really sacrificial way. They, they work really hard to consider each other's dreams and say, you know what, you want this dream. I'm going to support you in that. It might change the trajectory of our family, but I love you. And my thing isn't going to be greater than your thing. It can't be because I love you. And, and no matter what, them being on the same team is more important than either of them getting what they want. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. Another love story that I love is The Big Sick. Uh, if you don't know about this movie, it's about, well, it's based on the true story of Camille Nanjiani and his wife, Emily Gordon. Camille and Emily began dating, right? But as soon as things start to get serious, he wonders how his family will react to her. And in the middle of that tension, Emily gets sick, goes into a coma, and Camille ends up in the really awkward space of getting to know her parents, and as a result, getting to know her while she's comatose. Really funny movie, uh, very, very deep and smart and touching. I don't want to give away the ending, but this movie really resonates with the part of me that loves learning other people. Whether that's learning other people indirectly because you're spending time with their friends or their family or you've just heard things about them, or if you're getting to spend time with them directly and and asking them questions or whatever. I also really appreciate the realness of this story. It's it's not a fairy tale at all. It's not, but it does leave you really hopeful at the end and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about that I haven't seen the movie. Um so this isn't necessarily a comment on it, but mm. um something you you uh pointed out <clears throat> mm-hmm. is that by getting to know her family, um, he gets to know her. And this is something I felt personally for a long time. It's like, I really don't know people the like very well. I don't really know mm. people the best that I can if I don't know their family. Um, and people that have been like wow. instrumental in their upbringing, in their life, in their childhood. And like, that could be a two-edged sword. There could, like, there could be people with really broken families and really messed up childhoods where maybe in that case I need to just know enough (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but in other cases like it's really it's really cool to me when I can get to know my friends families and therefore get to know them better so you really like getting to meet your friends families is that what I'm hearing um (laughs) um (laughs) I think I still find it awkward in a certain to a certain degree (laughs) But I think I get to know my friends better through it. I value mm. it. That's good. That's good. Because then that's something that you can focus on to push through the awkwardness. I, f- I, I feel stressed about meeting my friends' family. Anytime. Anytime, every time. 
<laughs> I, because there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure. Yeah, it's weird. I think that's like, that's an unfortunate side effect. Going totally off topic right now. It's an unfortunate side effect of our culture um, is that we like to segment our lives. Um, and I like, I really enjoy it when I get to share things about my childhood and my family with my friends so because because there are certain things about I've just just traveled so much I've never lived in one place very long so there aren't a lot of people that know me through my entire life outside of my immediate family Um, Mm. so when I get to share that I feel like I get to get closer to my friends as well yeah there's something to be said for that I think there are times when I've been really looking forward to sharing my family because I felt ready to open up a little bit more to whoever, whichever friend I was going to introduce to my family. And then there are times when I wasn't ready for these people to meet these other people at all. (laughs) Yeah, just got to roll with it, I guess. What is this episode about? Let's get back to it. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, this kind of, like, we've already gotten into this, but, like, the next part of your, like, topic is what does this say about you and, like, Mm -hmm. how you've learned to love or how you want to be loved? Yeah, and it all comes back to my parents' love story. Um, My parents have been together. They've been married uh, upwards of, I believe, 35 years now. (laughs) And when I was in middle school, my dad had a near-death experience that put him in the hospital for several days. I, I, it all kind of, it's a bit of a blur now. I can't remember if it was days or weeks, but my parents have told me that during this time they renewed their vows because when my dad was finally stabilized in in the hospital he realized that that the people in his life that he loved didn't know how deeply he loved them so right there in a hospital bed my parents renewed their vows and they partnered in a reset, not just within their marriage, but how they interacted with me and with my younger sister. Given that, accepting failure feels very honest to me. Or maybe not failure, but accepting that there needs to be a change. Even these days, my dad is saying things to me like, I'm still learning how to love your mom. It's been over 30 years, and you really never stop learning. I I just can't get it right sometimes. I love that he still tells me that. I love that that he keeps it honest with me and that they both do. So these stories, each of them, where they press into that difficult space, that tension between partnering with someone and, and being at odds with them, at the same time, that those those things I really value. I I think that's that reflects how I've learned to love and how I want to be loved as well. You know, getting to be my own person, being respected for my individual 
strengths and personality traits, what have you. I, I really just want a partner. What about you, Jenny? What love stories do you love? My stories are a little older than the ones that you chose. Okay, Um, come through. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The different genre, perhaps. Um, Mm. I really love The Scarlet Pimpernel. First of all, it's a hilarious book. I think I've seen two different versions of movies, and they're both great. Um, if you haven't read it or watched it, you should. It's wonderful. I haven't. I probably should. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but it, it's set during the French Revolution. Okay. And there is this Englishman who is... Uh, his, he's basically created two different himself and his alter ego. And for a while, you're not sure which is which. Oh. But I think not in like a, like a psychological twisted kind of way, but you're not really sure which one is more important to him. Okay. Um, and this is not, it's not like one is evil and one no, is good. Like this Jekyll is not a Jekyll. Hyde. This is not a Jekyll and Hyde situation. It's okay. more like one is good okay. and one's an idiot. Wait, one is yes. good and one's an idiot? Yes. So when you say idiot, I'm sorry to, to interrupt you. I just need to know more. <laughs> um, when one is good, does that mean that he is, you know, a, a good person? Or is he smart and the other personality is not smart? The other personality is a... okay. The good personality, let's start here, okay. is okay. essentially he's he's constantly going into France um, and finding people who are being targeted by the um, uprising rebellion for and, and he's getting them out of the country so they won't be killed. Okay, um, so he's a hero. Yeah. Ish. He's very smart. Depending he's on very who's telling the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right. There, I mean, you can get into like, you know, maybe some of those aristocrats deserve to die. Who knows? Um, mm. I don't really want to get into that discussion right now. He's going in. Nope. He's saving lives. Yeah. He's he's making connections. He's getting people out of the country in whatever creative way is necessary. Okay. Um, he meets a young French woman while in France, and they fall in love and they get married. They move mm-hmm. to England. Mm-hmm. The version of him that she meets is the idiot. He's very um, just kind of the vapid, upper-class, wealthy Englishman who doesn't care about anything more than like when his next like snack is going to happen. Wow, um, so she fell in love with that part of him, and she's never met the other part. Um, right, right. At at least at this point. Okay. Yeah. But what what I really love about this relationship is that she always saw more in him than that kind of vapid idiot. 
and always mm. believed better of him than that, even when all evidence pointed to the contrary. And what I love about his character is that he is willing to let her think he's an idiot in order to continue doing the good that he's doing. He's willing to let the person he loves most think badly of him and will continue to do like saving people's lives, which kind of sucks, honestly. But at the same time, like she believes so like loves him so much and believes so well of him that she like seeks out the truth and eventually they figure it out. But it's also a story where like things aren't easy for them because Hmm. she doesn't understand why he just keeps acting like an idiot. And she like goes back and forth between believing he is an idiot and thinking like, no, this has got to be an act while, you know, the French revolution is going on in the background. Um, Wow. That would drive me insane. There's, I don't know. There's, there's a lot. I mean, okay. Baseline. There's a lot wrong with every relationship. That's just how Mm -hmm. life is. There's a lot wrong with this one, but I like that they're, they're really willing to like make the stakes high and Mm. do what needs to be done. And it sounds like he's not allowing his pride to get the better of him as though his reputation were worth more than this opportunity to save other people's lives. Right. And there's also the aspect that if she knew what he was doing, she would also be in danger. That's like also a consideration. He's not just cutting her out because he doesn't want to involve her. Mm-hmm. Dang. That's good. Yes. It's wonderful. I love it. Uh, my other story is uh, Pride and Prejudice. Classic. And it is. Um, it's my favorite story. And I, I tell this to people, and I think they look at me a little funny. And um, I clarify that it's my favorite. It's not just my favorite book. Like, every iteration of the story I've seen in movies, I've enjoyed. Because the like the, wow. the plot is so um, character-driven. Or the story is so character-driven. It's not a plot-based story. Um, hmm. So that so this like the plot can change from movie to movie, uh, but the characters still kind of remain the same. Uh, but I really uh, enjoy the relationship between Elizabeth and Darcy because, again, flawed, broken, messy. But there's a lot of humility in how they both admit that they were wrong in the past in ways that they thought of the other person and treated the other person. And they both have opportunity to, like, take actions to show that they, like, mean that they were wrong and that they've changed. They really do. They really do humble themselves. And there's there's some, like, side aspects of, like, dealing with consequences outside of that from family members. But, yeah, it's just kind of, it's a very light, intelligent, witty book. Um, and story and the characters are really fleshed out embodiments of the, the the their character they're very kind of siloed character traits that are expressed in a human being 
Yeah, I hadn't thought about it the way that you put it earlier, that this story is really character-driven. But yeah, I was thinking about all the different iterations of this story that I've seen. That's true. That's true. I just never thought about it that way. Do you have a favorite iteration? Or is that disrespectful? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I like the book the best. Okay. Um, okay. It, it, as far as movie go, movies go, uh, it depends on how much time I have to commit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's that one six-hour special you just really got to be locked and loaded for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because obviously you're going to watch it all in one sitting. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a one. snow day viewing. So what do you think that these stories say about you? I value persevering in doing what's right in spite of how you think others may perceive you. Mm. And just kind of, if if you're in a relationship with someone you love and you believe they love you, trusting them to continue to love you even if you might be a little crazy um, <laughs> or doing things that seem crazy. I value the, the ability of people to, to change their minds and be honest about it. And our, our society tends to shame people for changing their mind and not being constant for years and years and years in their same opinions where Changing your opinion and changing your mind about things is really a sign of growth most of the time. Um, and mm-hmm. the humility to admit that you were wrong in the past and you have changed now takes a lot. Uh, again, a lot of there's a lot of trust there going in to say like, "Hey, I was wrong," and even like what I was wrong about may have hurt you. Yeah. And, like, two people, like, being in that space and moving forward together and not just writing each other off. I think that is a thing I value. Yeah, it's beautiful. And what do you think these stories have to say about how either you have learned to love or how you want to be loved? I think, I mean, mostly that, that um, the ability to, like, change your mind and grow and not have that seen as a negative thing. That's a thing that I, I really value and want people to extend to me. I want people to extend that courtesy to me of trusting me and giving me space to grow. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be more aware and willing to do that for others as well. Let's jump to our last segment. Normally, we share a story that has been on our minds recently. However, in honor of (laughs) this episode, Love Stories That We Love, we are talking about OTPs. That's right, folks. You heard it here. We are talking about one true pairings. Yes. And I don't think either of us took the time to research the origin of this phrase um i can do a quick google search right now google 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 
Oh, according to Fan Lore Wiki, the earliest known use of the term one true pairing was featured in a 1984 summary of the zine Alternatives No. 2, which discussed various Star Trek pairings. Bless. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to hear about this. This is very good. This is very, very good. Yes. So when we're talking about OTPs or one true pairings, we are using a term used to describe a favorite couple consisting of characters from a fandom that we really love. Now I feel the need to break down the word fandom. Do you want to break that down? (laughs) Oh my gosh, not really. Um, (laughs) You know, when you like something a lot and you're part of a group of people that like something a lot. Actually, that's pretty close. I'm looking at it right now. Side note, while you were Googling OTP, I decided to Google, Google ship. Because we had also discussed this earlier. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar, ship or to ship is a shortening of the word relationship. Um, is to pair up people from stories as a couple. Very similar to OTPs. You guys didn't know you were going to get this vocabulary lesson, but here you are. This term also originated around the show Star Trek in the mid-70s. Yep, pre pre internet though. Pre internet. Yep. Pre It was in 1913. What? I'm I'm gonna tell you right here. So so, um, in 1913, a book entitled "Old Friends, New Fancies" was published, depicting characters from three of Austen's novels interacting and building new romantic relationships. The Pride and Prejudice character, Mr. Darcy, had also been a popular subject of fan fiction and art dating back to the early 1900s. That's when it first got used. No way. Well, it, yep. it was widely it's popularized old. in the mid-70s. It's um, also slightly related to slash fiction. Yes, yes. Yep. Y'all are just getting the whole business right here. Anyway, anyway, we're not talking about shipping. Exactly. <laughs> we're talking about OTPs. Let's talk about OTPs. Moving along. My OTP is Simba and Nala. For the simple reason that the people who love you will remind you who you are and the part you have to play in this world. That's it. That's it? Yeah, Simba and Nala, they get to hang out in the elephant graveyard together they get busted by mufasa together they sing a whole bunch of musical numbers together i mean let's go (laughs) right not to mention one of the best like love songs yes sir elton john yes i also want to draw attention to how simba hears a similar message from his father in the sky, Mufasa of the clouds. <laughs> he he hears a similar message from both Mufasa and Nala. They mm-hmm. align because they want him to remember who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a green light. That's a green light on an OTP. Mm-hmm. 
Jenny, what's your OTP? My OTP is the Tense Doctor from Doctor Who, played by David Tennant, okay. and Rose Tyler. Talk about um, it. I have been rewatching Doctor Who recently, and I've noticed mm-hmm. how the first season with the Ninth Doctor really just sets up a like a scenario where Rose's ideal for the doctor in his like frame of mind he's in if you're not familiar with the show the new series starts after a huge massively destructive war resulting in the destruction of the entire race of time lords except for the doctor who is the last time lord um and he's he's alone and he's feeling feeling guilt and he's feeling grief um and rose comes along and gets to experience certain things that give her so much empathy and mm. balance to him she can pull him back from like going over the edge she can push him forward when he needs to be pushed and he can do the same for her he can help her her tiny human mind to expand and grow and just give her kind of a better center for life and thought they're they're wonderful i have to go on a tangent i guess do um, it. i'm i'm pr- i'm warning you ahead of time this is a tangent the doctor <laughs> in doctor who has many companions this is just a theme of the show mm-hmm. and when one companion leaves for one reason or another everyone is upset and sad yeah one second so for those of you who don't know about the show a companion is just a friend it's just a travel buddy it sounds it's because of that word it might sound like they they do more than than just be friends but they're just friends yeah keep in mind this is a show that started in the 60s and that's just there's a lot of verbiage that has carried through and hasn't changed because it's part of the fandom yeah, just think um, buddy pals. Yeah. That's it. Friends. <laughs> Friends that travel together. There we go. Yeah. Um, so Rose is the first companion of the new series, and she and the doctor fall in love, and it's beautiful. And then she leaves the show. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. The actress leaves the show. Um, and the next traveling companion of the doctor is named martha and a crazy thing happens where all of the fans of the show absolutely hated martha um and the first time through when i was watching it i was like she's so annoying she's like obnoxious oh same we we want rose back um and then going back again i realized like she's actually a fantastic character she is uh in med school at the beginning of her run she um, ends up becoming a doctor and running a secret military uh, organization. She is a super amazing character all by herself. And she decides to leave the doctor and stop traveling with him because she is in love with him and she knows that he doesn't love her and she's making choices for her own health and sanity. And those are all very admirable things. And, like, aside from any kind of romantic entanglement, she's just a, she's a really good character. So I'm, I'm struggling with a bit of, like, 
sadness that my OTP has destroyed this other beautiful character. I mean, so. they, yeah. I mean, they definitely did. Yep. <laughs> but I'm glad that you gave Martha credit because she's 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 definitely not very well liked. By, no. By many. It's very sad. Level. Like, yeah, I, going through again. I liked her a lot more the second time when I had gotten over things things i wouldn't have i wouldn't have given it a second thought i i've watched the whole series through once and yeah when martha came on the show i was just like who is this why are you like this (laughs) and it just never stopped and when she left i was like wow finally (gasps) and i'm really glad that you you brought her up and you gave her some res- you you showed respect where it was due and you know you're right i i i think i can i can safely think a little bit better of martha she's a wonderful character well thanks for listening to so story wherever you've been listening to us yeah thank you all for listening wherever you happen to be listening on itunes or spotify or stitcher or one of the other ones that i can't remember right now if you find the space in your heart to do so, rate and review us. This is a very helpful thing. Um, rate and view, review Super all of helpful. the podcasts that you listen to. Where can we find you on the internets, Christina? You can find me on the internets on Instagram. My handle is c.l.you. What about you, Jenny? Where can we find you on these internets? You can also find me on Instagram. My handle is J-L-F-E-H-R. If you want to follow along with what we're doing, follow us on Instagram. You can find us at So Story Podcast. We put a lot of updates there about what episodes we're working on, when things are coming out, and other exciting business. Yeah, that is really the the best place to find recent information. You can also subscribe to our email newsletter list um, through links in our Instagram profile. Do that. Everything you just said was perfect, except... Yeah. Okay. You can find us at story... Oop.